to the Beer Healer Interviews. I am your host, Chris Lukinenko, and I scour this big brand land of ours, looking under fermenters and behind mash tuns to find the best beer stories to share with you. The Beer Healer Interviews is now available on all major podcast services. If you like the show and want to help out, can I ask you to simply rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast service. Just leave a few words and a rating and the podcast gods will do the rest. By doing this, you'll help others to discover the show more easily and hopefully get more people interested in this great industry that we call craft beer. So I think this is going to be a really interesting chat today. It's a story from a brewery who sits at the traditional intersection of Greek mythology and environmental sustainability. You know, it goes together like peas and carrots or hall and oats. To be honest with you, I'm not sure where this one's really going to go today, but that's why I love doing these things. So let's enjoy it together. I'm going to cheat and let the marketing folk explain this one. Helios is the sun god of Greek mythology. Each morning, the rising sun marks Helios's crossing over into the mortal world driving a chariot drawn by wild horses that only he can control. The Helios Brewing Company harnesses the sun's power to sustainably create craft beer. Their brewing infrastructure has been custom designed to maximise energy and water efficiency, minimise waste and carbon footprint, while also capitalising upon Queensland renewable natural resources. How is that for an interesting concept for a brewery? I bloody love it and I certainly want to know more, so hopefully uh, all of you listening here today do as well. Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews, Helios Brewing Head Brewer, Charlie Hodgson. Cheers, Chris. Thanks for the um, lovely um, introduction. Lovely to be part of it. So great to have you on today. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for your time. It's uh, lunchtime here at my real job, so I'm in, in the uh, office podcast studio, which also means, unfortunately, I can't share a beer with you, but... Uh, that's okay. Maybe maybe after dinner tonight, I'll I'll have a beer and I'll just I'll just think of the time we spent together this afternoon. <laughs> Reminisce. <laughs> so, look, Helios Brewing has recently celebrated its third birthday, and we'll, we'll get into that soon. But you've been doing this for a little bit longer than that, haven't you? I mean, you began home brewing in the '90s, which is probably long before many of the listeners on this podcast got into it themselves. I want you to tell us what it was like back in those dark ages before we have had internet forums and and Facebook groups. You know, YouTube videos and all of that sort of stuff to teach us how to do it. What was it like getting started? Mate, it wasn't that dark. We had electricity and that back in the nineties, so we it wasn't too bad. <laughs> um, mate, it was. I guess it was it was quite quiet on my front. You know, I'm not the most social person on the planet, um, so I just used to stick to myself a lot. I brewed at home. Um, I guess graduated um, as a lot of brewers did and moved from um, from kit in a can. Um, so yeah, started home brewing in the in out of Geraldton, really Geraldton Woolworths in in the midwest of WA, and and then slowly moved on, got more and more nerdy, and started playing with grains, mini mashes. Um, yeah, slowly I guess morphed into to um, to full grain when I was at the winery. I acquired um, in inverted commas some some gear from the winery and got the fitters there to do a little bit of. Um, Gorilla fittering and turning for me to go to um, go to full grain, but yeah, it was um, was very quiet. There was home brewing clubs around. I can't remember. It might be West Coast home brewers off the top of my head, but um, yeah, I didn't really get into that sort of side of things. I just like to stay in my own my own stink and do my own things, and you know, read what I can, learn what I can, and and interpret that to the, the best way I could interpret it into liquid form. I guess. I reckon the kids, the kids of today, the people that are starting off brewing, have got it so bloody easy. They've got such great access to 
a wealth of knowledge. You know, people such as yourselves, you know, in the craft beer industry are only too happy to, you know, help tweak a recipe or provide some advice. It's uh, it's it's a lot easier to get started into it these days, I reckon. Yeah, there's certainly a lot more information out, and and guys like yourself that run your podcasts, and you know, um, this is the second one I've done in done in a few weeks. So I was lucky enough to do one with Matt Kirkegaard a couple of weeks ago. But you know, Adzi and and um, I'll probably mention him a lot today, and and Reese and a lot of those guys are, are listening, spending a lot of time listening to podcasts as well. So there's a wealth. I don't. Um, this is only the really second time I've been involved in one point blank. But you know, there's a wealth of information out there. Obviously, the internet is. Um, is also another wealth of information, whereas I was sort of more in um, hard copy, reading books and, and magazines. Um, BYO from the States, so it was, was a Bible for me, BYO magazine. So, um, yeah, it's certainly a lot different. And, and you know, and, and with guys like that, you know, I was, you know, going back a long time. I'll probably name drop a little bit today, but um, guys like Brendan Varris were, you know, super important for me in my early days. Um, you know, I introduced myself to him as a home brewer in, probably 2004, I think, um, when I was still at Horton Mines. And, you know, he gave me a, a lot more time than he probably had to give me. Um, so, you know, I'm forever grateful for that man. I know him a lot. And and it's one of the reasons why I touch on a lot why, you know, when people like Adzi and or Reese or, um, you know, there's a number of other home brewers that come in on a, on a regular basis, you know, I, I make sure I, I give them that time that Brendan gave me. I think it's super important and, and played no more, small part in, in me getting to where I am, I guess, professionally. So, Yeah, nice. So a bit of a shout-out to, to Matt, Prof and Claire from uh, Radio Brews News. You know, they've they've certainly led the way with the podcast and I, I owe a lot to them in uh, getting myself started here. Talk, talking of getting started, I'm just wondering how long – were you actually homebrewing before you got your gig at Gage Roads? And what was it like back in those days? Because I'm imagining there weren't too many options for a new brewer out in the West in those days. No, there wasn't. Um, yeah, a long time. I started mid uh, homebrewing, sorry, in the mid-90s, probably uh, – 97, 98, I guess. Um, I started at Gage in 06, so, yeah, probably 10 years. Um, you know, I had a lot of wine experience behind me then as well. I started wine in, in 2000, so I had six-year seller experience. So, And that's, I guess, helped me in no certain uncertain terms in to get into Gage, you know. I... You know, to know my way around, um, obviously, pumps, um, pump selection, line choice, um, tank sanitation. You know, I, I knew three or four different types of filtration. Um, you know, I did a lot of oak work. So, you know, I brought a lot of skills, a lot of transferable skills to Gage. Um, but, yeah, that was yeah, that, that was a big help. And I was lucky I get it, got in when I did, you know, within a year or two. You know, the, the big science, the big sort of, um, you know, we were starting, you know, Jimmy Lancaster was um, uh, um, microbiology. I think he had a degree in microbiology. You know, we had some environmental scientists come through. So that's when we were starting to, the industry was starting to pull quite heavily on on those guys with that science background. So I was lucky I got in with my production ground and I guess my wine background. So who else was around back in those days? What, Little Creatures, Swan, Feral, Gage? Sail and Anchor, is that about it? Yeah, Sail and Anchor was still brewing back then as well. Um, the old Swan might have been brewing around there as well on the, on the waterfront just at the bottom of um, on Mounts Bay Road below Kings Park. So, yeah, that was probably about it. 
yeah, the monkey, if I haven't already mentioned that, in Freo on the cafe strip across the road from the sale. But, yeah, no, yeah, not a lot of – oh, um, sorry, MASH. How could I forget MASH? MASH was open in uh, in 06 as well, so I nearly nearly got that gig. But, um, <laughs> yeah, declined that. I just didn't have the – you know, I was getting paid better money at, at the winery, unskilled and, and way less stress than going in as a home brewer trying to start up. You know, I don't think I would have done Brad – um, any favours by going in and trying to start that business up on my own. So, you know, I politely declined that and, and yeah, went into the gauge gig later on. Just a quickie to let you know how you can help spread the stories of the great people that I talk to on the show. It's all about the socials. If you like an episode, you can share my announcement of it on Instagram, to your story, or to your Facebook feed, or even just leave a thumbs up emoji comment, or maybe tag a friend. It all helps. And of course, it's all about the Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. It's the gold standard for helping people to discover the show. Leave a review, and I'll post it on my Instagram feed. Thanks very much for your support. I love playing uh, the old six degrees of separation in the beer industry with my guests, and I'm, I'm thinking that with um, Gage Roads being such a breeding ground for the industry in the West, it would be more like uh, two degrees for you out that way, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, so we touched on it with Matt a little bit as well, you know, between um, between Gage and, and, and Creatures and, uh, you know, even myself, you know, I think I've got three or at least four guys that worked under me at MASH that are now head brewers. So, um, yeah, it's certainly uh, – I, I use the word incestuous a little bit, but, um, yeah, with um, – yeah, so it's, it's very tight. So after Gage, you went on to, to Mash Brewing where you continued to brew some amazing beers. I believe you, you won awards and you helped shape that industry over that over that way. It's sort of, you know, 10 or 12 years in the WA brewing scene, surely you must have a Western Australia's Brewing Association award named after you or something like that, do you? Um, no, mate, I'm not too – thank you very much for your kind words. I'm not too sure I'd um, – yeah, I've, I've shaped the industry on, in any way, <laughs> shape or form. You know, I've certainly um, had a hand in it and I've certainly got a very healthy reputation back in the West, potentially more so than I've got here, you know, out in, in the public domain in, in Queensland after three years, I guess. So it's still easier to to an extent to sell beer back in WA under my name than it is here in Queensland. But, um, yeah, no, certainly, certainly um, no Charlie Hodson Memorial. Um, you know, I'm still, still alive and kicking. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, mate, I'm, I'm still still fairly lowbrow. Um, you know, I've done some good things, certainly won some big awards. And, um, you know, that's – you know, I haven't done those solo, you know, the the Eddies and, and Keegans and Drews and and those guys that I've had under me. Jackson, you know, Jackson's a head brewer at Pirate Life now in WA. Jackson was very green when I got my hands on him. So, you know, I've had a lot of – a lot of good guys that I rely on very heavily, and and Adzi's no different here as well. You know, we've just gone through our um, our show beers as well that we're looking at today to send the Queensland Beer Awards, and you know, certainly, um, you know, I've, I've said to all my guys over the years, you know, I certainly wear the head brewer's cap and make the decisions, whether right or wrong, but I certainly look, rely on those guys' opinions um, very heavily, and and we'll take them on board for sure. Trophy would be nice back in the West. Whoever's running the WA, <laughs> no, fair enough. Yes, uh, noted. Uh, I'll use my <laughs> use my extensive network of contacts to try and get you on. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. You must have so many great memories from you know your your decade or so long career over in the West. Is there anything that sort of really sticks out to you from from your time back there? Camaraderie, man, is huge. Um, like I say, I, I drop a lot of names, whether they're guys that have that have influenced my my journey or or guys that I've hopefully influenced theirs to some degrees. But uh, yeah, a lot of lot of great memories, a lot of 
dark days as well, you know. You know, I sort of have called out a, a guy at, at the winery for, you know, being, you know, down in the dumps and certainly a lot of guys I worked with in the mines, you know, were, were dreading getting on a plane to go to work and, you know, I, I may have given the impression I was certainly – uh, a bunch of roses, certainly, you know, um, strutting around like Mary Poppins, you know, always, you know, singing all, all happy. But, you know, I certainly wasn't that. Uh, and there were certainly a lot of guys that probably struggled and didn't enjoy working with me for a long time. I certainly, um, yeah, struggled for long periods at both of those venues. So, um, yeah, which is maybe a, a conversation today, maybe for another for, for another day. But yeah, I certainly wasn't the all singing, all dancing guy, and and certainly had my tough times, um, as a lot of us probably have. But but yeah, certainly a lot of great memories, and, and those guys certainly helped me through it. Um, yeah, so many so many great guys to talk about, and you know the Aaron Hearys, you know I love Aaron to bits. You know we've certainly done a lot of cool stuff. Um, professionally and, and certainly in inverted commas unprofessionally as well so yeah i've got got big love for aaron and and john and bill hodemaker and um you know josh Blythe, those, those guys in the really early days at gage and um big mikey capaldo you know that has forged you know a stunning career for himself you know we we he was very green when we got hold of him at gage so yeah got got a lot of love for that guy and, and all the guys i've mentioned already at mash as well you know that's you know, it's certainly a team game, um, and and you never, I never, you know, like I say, I was certainly pretty dirty on the world for a lot of periods of time, but um, I never really went to work with a negative mindset. Um, it's sort of, I just got worn down over the periods of days. So, but yeah, camaraderie, mate, and the industry as a whole. Queensland here is fantastic as well, and you know, I've certainly made a lot of effort to get involved in the Queensland professional industry. Um, yeah, and have been really well welcomed here and really got a lot of good friends here already that I really enjoy seeing out at Industry Do's. Yeah, no, for sure. Look, mate, I'd, look, I hope you don't mind, but I'd really like to talk a little bit more about maybe some of the, the darker moments you, you went through because I think right now in this country, you know, we, we've been through hell for the last 12 months. You know, you've got friends in Victoria who've had half their last year locked down and, and people are doing it tough. And, you know, sometimes it's it's actually okay to do what you just did then and sort of admit that, you know, life isn't always beer and skills and that sometimes we have to look after our mental health or, or stop and, and change things. And and uh, it's, it's okay to not be okay sometimes, but I think maybe, you know, us as blokes working in a, an industry where it's, you know, you just got to, it's all fun, it's alcohol, it's beer, it's awesome. It's not always going to be um, amazing for us. And so I was just wondering whether maybe you might like to share some of your experiences where things weren't great and, and maybe some of the things you did to help get yourself back on track. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I can um, uh, wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm a pretty emotional guy. I can either be, you know, have big highs, big lows, but um yeah, I don't know. It's um, yeah. Generally, I'm pretty pretty open with that sort of stuff. It's, I guess you know, we worked long and hard hours at Gage. Um, you know, I may be answering your question here. I may not. Um, certainly at Mash as well. I worked my boys pretty hard, and 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 hopefully I worked myself as hard. You know, I didn't like to to get them to do anything um, or most things that I wasn't prepared to do myself. Or, um, but yeah, I, I guess a, a lot to ask of you. Um, you know, a lot of breweries, um, and I'm very thankful to be where I am. And you know, being here is 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 certainly one of those um, things I've certainly gone to. I guess to to perk myself, get up, get a fresh start, go and have a look. You know, problem solve. How do I how do I not end up in this spiral of um, 
Um, you know, harder more. You know, we had this, you know, and I say this with full full respect to the guys at Gage, and certainly absolutely tongue in cheek. But um, you know, we we because we went on to the mash days as well. But um, you know, we had a saying back there that at, at, at Gage Roads we work our brewers to the bone and then work their bones. And um, you know, we we kind of had to. You know, we kind of if you couldn't be at the um, the front of the battle. Um, and survive, you know, and it certainly was that way at MASH as well. You know, I had a lot of guys that I got pretty quickly that, you know, would just give and give and give and and a few of them we actually had to ask to pull back because um, their work ethic was so big. They would just keep on giving and, and you could see that, you know, you were just so scared that they were going to end up beaten and battered as well and have um, a negative uh, viewpoint of the industry. Um so, yeah, we had to be a little bit protective of that and, um, yeah, hopefully we did it. You know, it's certainly an industry that can, you know, from what I've seen, you know, I've certainly I've only been at this is the only thread brewery I've been at, but, you know, it can chew and spit up good guys. Um, some of them come back to the industry, some of them don't. But, yeah, it can be pretty harsh. In I guess breweries are now a wholesale first and foremost. You know, they want to be in every independent. They want to be in every dance. They want to be in every – um, BWS, they want to be in every liquor legends. And, you know, you, you can't do that without burning bodies um, unless you've got a bottomless budget where you're continually growing and continually, you know, and it's really hard to train brewers well in that environment as well unless you're continually overstaffing yourself so you can give those um, people that time. You know, I used to say to a lot of guys, you know, it's a, you know, a lot of – a lot of us follow cricket, a lot of us don't. But I used to tell them a lot of you know, it's not it's not like Test cricket here. I can't te- I can't let you get in. I can't let you get your eye in. I've got to. You've got to come in and play twenty twenty. You've got to learn very very quickly. And um, and I'm going to pull you up at, at every step if you're not. You know, I've worked too hard for too long to let you um, learn shoddy practices and. Um, and potentially damage my and our reputation and let you learn poor habits. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough gig. But, um, yeah, does that answer your question? Is that is that sort of going? Uh, mate, look, thanks for your honesty there. Like it's something that I don't really ever touch on in a lot of those interviews is that sort of the – not the negative side but maybe the reality check that, um, you know, this while this is a fantastic injury, it's a lot of fun, it's also pretty tough and it takes a, a big commitment and, and takes, a, as you say, a pretty uh, intense work ethic to, to succeed at this because there are a lot of challenges along the way and it's only getting more and more challenging with, uh, with the competition out there. So, you know, thanks, thanks a lot for just sort of uh, opening up yourself up there and, and sharing some of those thoughts with us. We might, uh, we might draw a bit of a line in the Western Australian sand now and, and move on to present day. Um, you know, with such a distinguished career over in the West, how hard was it for you to defect to the East and take up this role with Helios? Uh, it was pretty difficult, mate, in hindsight. Um, you know, it's um, from a personal perspective, you know, it wasn't an easy decision. You know, it was a bit of um, a midlife crisis. You know, my life was, and I won't delve into that certainly on a on a national podcast, but, you know, my, my life wasn't going in the direction I wanted it to go in. I had a fairly big life event that's, that, um, yeah, threw me into a bit of turmoil, but um, which is why I had to problem solve it and worked out what I want as an individual and where I wanted to go and how potentially I could could stop me dragging a lot of other people with me. But, um, you know, hence why I started looking, you know, nationwide. But, you know, unfortunately, that's meant me left, leaving my kids behind. My kids are still in um, regional southwest WA and, you know, I haven't seen either of them now for um, probably, you know, a year and a half. Um, oh, wow. You know, COVID doesn't help that at yeah. all. But you know, coming here to to try and 
protect myself and um, move onwards and upwards, progress my career. And um, it's come in great cost and it's, it's been a, a lot more difficult on mine and our relationships than I, than I ever imagined. So, uh, yeah, it's come at great cost, but um, certainly, um, you know, I found what I was looking for. You know, I can't speak highly enough of Scott and, and Tony and Jane for, for giving me the environment I get to come and work in every day. You know, I've certainly been a pretty filthy individual to work with here as well. You know, I've certainly spent my fair share of days and weeks wandering around looking like a thundercloud. But, um, you know, a lot of that is um, just my expectation and, and, and reality and the differences between them. But, um, yeah, it's been it's been tough, but it's certainly rewarding. So, what attracted you to Helios? Brisbane played no small part in that. Obviously, WA with the spiritual home of, and I'll and I'll fight and I'll guard that pretty. Uh, I'll argue that pretty hard against anyone, but we're still the spiritual home of, of craft brewing nationwide. You know, um, and and a lot of it was personal as well, man. A lot of people know that I'm that I'm a heavy cyclist, and you know, um, Melbourne's got a, a great industry, but um, I don't want to go. Once again, ride a bike in Melbourne, um, you know. <laughs> It's got a great cycling um, industry there, and a great cycling. Um, but you know, I don't want to. I don't want to ride in that weather. But um, you know, Sydney was 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 growing, um, but it's still a fair bit behind the rest of the, the nation. Tassie was growing as well. Um, yet again, too cold to ride a bike too often for me. But you know, Brisbane was. Brisbane was growing, you know, exponentially. You know, the the Green Beacon guys, the Newstead guys, um, Black Ops were up and about then. Um, Lockie, you know, me and Lockie, uh, Lockie Crothers are good mates. You know, we we brewed together at Gage and, and he still um, gives me um, a lot of credit for, for teaching him how to brew. I don't, I don't remember teaching him how to brew, but um, <laughs> so he must, mustn't have been that good. But <laughs> uh, no, in, all, in all honesty, he was one of the, he was one of the guys that was always going to, going to excel. And um, Lockie was, Lockie was a jet from day one. And um yeah, Brisbane was a big draw card, and 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 the the obviously the environmental ethos, you know, that's you know we all know we need to go um, that way. We need to look after the planet. We need to be more environmentally conscious. Um, Scott and Jane and Tony are all environmental scientists, you know. Premier kit, Premier Stainless kit as well was a big draw card for me. Um, opening a brand new brewery, I'd never started the brewery from scratch. Um, walked into an empty building and and put one of those together. And um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of big draws. Um, industry, um, great kit, environmental draw. Um, yeah, getting to start again. Uh, mental health. Um, yeah, hopefully going to somewhere where I didn't have to mercilessly flog myself into the ground and then have to bring someone on and, and then flog them as well. So, um, and, and they've stayed true to their word as well. And um, although, yeah, they're pushing me a little bit at the moment. Adzi, I'm looking at you. Um, they're selling out beer a lot quicker than, I'm, than, than we have before, but that's only a great thing for the brand. So, yeah. You mentioned there that the, uh, the, the co-founders were all sort of involved in er- – environmental science in one way, shape, or form. And I sort of was reading a bit about this, and, like, there's one thing to get a, a brewery that's, that's sustainable, but I feel like you have all taken the idea of a sustainable solar-powered brewery to the next level, haven't you? Yeah, we have, and, and I I won't be able to do it justice. I know, I'm obviously aware of what we've got in here and what's been installed, but I certainly won't be able to quote numbers and, and volumes to you. But we've nah. certainly, Scott, um yeah, certainly gone to the nth degree and, you know, the solar thermal we've got on the roof, you know, we can, you know, Queensland weather we know is, is pretty good nine months of the year and even, you know, winter, again, in inverted commas. Um, 
It's still very warm, but we can draw up to a thousand litres of water off the roof. You know, most times of the year, up to about seventy or eighty degrees. So, you know, when we're running running water into the hot liquor tank to to get brewing liquor, you know, that we we have to draw on our steam, obviously, and gas use um, a lot less. Um, you know, solar panel. We've got a lot of high efficiency solar panels. Again, I can't quite numbers, but yeah, we've certainly. Um, yeah, gone hard at at solar to um, yeah to cut a lot of costs and you know and I've certainly heard conversations that Scott had with with other brewery owners when they start talking about dollar figures on electricity bills and yeah certainly there's there's one person who will, will fall over backwards um, and one won't and, and the one that's that won't is Scott you know he's um yeah, you know he's our, our, our uh, sorry our electrical drawer and power drawer and all that sort of stuff is is very minimal compared to a lot of others. But he, Scott, was also a pretty handy home brewer too, wasn't he? Yeah, Scott's a very handy home brewer. Um, I'd love to sort of quote some of his achievements well, but he's certainly done very well on the um, the national um, home brewing scene, uh, the AHA, I think they're called. Yeah, so he's certainly meddled well um, over there. And, you know, our, our core beers are, are all designed by Scott. So our Poseidon, uh, Dionysus, sorry, not Dionysus, that's me, um, <laughs> Zeus, um, Athena, uh, the goddess, you know, are all designed by Scott. and. Um, you know, I've taken on some of Hades, our stout, you know, I've, I've um, had a little bit of a play with, but I generally try and stay hands off and, uh, yeah, and he's pretty protective of some as well, which is which is good. But, yeah, very handy homebrew for sure. So was Scott the one that came up with the whole Greek mythology theme for the brewery? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Scott's um, Scott's wife is is um, Greek American, so um, ah. so yeah, there, there's the tie in there. So um, and then obviously Helios is the Greek um, the the Greek sun god. So um, yeah, that's sort of where that's floated on from there. And our and our artist, I think, is I'm pretty sure is Greek American as well. So um, so yeah, so it's sort of a natural, you know, Helios being the the Greek sun god, and um, you know. Know, it sort of went into that, and obviously Cynthia, um, yeah, had a big impact on that. Uh, I'm pretty crap at uh, Greek mythology. I know, you know a couple <laughs> of the main ones, to be honest with you. But looking at your beers, you guys go quite deep. Did you personally have to brush up on your Greek mythology knowledge? Um, I probably should have. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I haven't. I've, I've got a rough idea of, of some of them. But, yeah, yeah, generally I'm a very entry-level guy. I, I, I keep things simple. So, no, I don't I don't know much about the Greek gods uh, as much as I should. But, yeah, um, but yeah, I, I send people Scott's way uh, when people ask me questions on that pretty quickly. And who designs all of the, the labels for the cans? Because there's some great illustrations on those cans. Yeah, Fiona is um, – um, is our artist. So again, she's a very good friend of Scott and um, Cynthia's from US days. So I believe she's based in Amsterdam these days. But um, yeah, Fiona does a lot of our uh, our core artwork. So um, she's certainly to thank for all that. So everything that basically makes it to a can apart from EOS, our most, most recent release, is all done by Fiona. Um, our graphic designers are um, Rob and Hannah Munster. So basically all the artwork uh, Rob and Hannah take and um, – and get that onto labels and decals and and move that onto the, the media that the punters see. And an EOS was designed by Hannah. So that was the first bit of artwork Hannah's actually done by hand. So yeah, very proud of our, our artwork and and we work very hard to to have that tie in and, and it was a big thing for Scott for for people to Obviously, brand awareness is massive and um, you know, for when they see a can that 
they whether subliminally or or quite clearly um, can identify it as a Helios product, whether it be one of the gods or the or the Helios sun. Yeah, nice. No, it's, it's great stuff. Let's let's move on to the beers, and I want to talk to you about your your malt first mantra. You know, in the current day of cryo hops, you got massive grams per liter for dry hopping, and new varieties and blends coming out. What seems like every other week, being a card carrying malt lover is almost not cool. Or do you see it as being an individual? Um, I'm not cool, so I'm quite happy to wear that <laughs> tag. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be a crusty old guy. That's um, and Scott's older and crustier than I am, so we're both happy to to play that game. Um, yeah, we, we both we both love uh, the, the malt game. But yeah, look, I've um, you know probably uh, Mitch from Bintani, you know, said a long time ago at Mash, you know that that I can't even remember what he was drinking, but he that was the first time I've heard that I actually had a style as a brewer. Um, All right, and I do brew malt for. Um, I do um, even my more bitter beers is um, are probably pretty well hidden with with a malt front palate. I'm actually trying to train myself out of that and try and trying to um, some of these EOS um, Pegasus, um, some of these newer beers that we're bringing out now. I'm actually trying to wean myself out of of my my natural go-tos from a recipe design point but um but yeah still you know yep. a lot of mick wust from crafty pint you know mick yep. mick loves to um yeah yeah word me up on being uh, a malt demon um yeah and going hard at, at the malt camp but to me it's more about layering and you know you, you look at the master chef days and i don't like to i'm not a I'm not a foodie at all you know when, when you look at a man who's favorite food is a sausage roll you know there's not that many um alliances between how hard i how hard i go at a beer and and how i go at food but you know but they always talk about um heroing you know what's a hero of addition to me it's really important you can't you can't let hops stay out on their own without or hops or bitterness and and again it's something i spoke about with matt and it's like well you know you know three or four years ago it's like great you know you've made a bit of beer that's like absolutely destroyed my taste buds but you know, great. You know, I'm not going to drink another one. You know, great. You made an 85 IBU IPA, but you know, what's where's where um, where's your front palate? Where's your mid palate? How's that going to balance itself? How's how's your malt going to support hop? You know, how's your bitterness supporting malt? You know, and and also hop. You know, it's like well, you know, we can all throw the kitchen sink at a beer. Um, we can all make a, a ridiculously hazy, um, lactose heavy, um, juicy hazy IPA or, or pale that's got no bitterness and lacks balance and is really hard to get past your jugular. But, um, you know, to me, you still, I mean, balance is, is, is a huge thing for me and, and I don't, I don't actively go there, but it's just how I go from a design point, if that all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, this was going to be my question, like what is your design process? And you sort of covered off on it a bit there. Do you, though, in terms of like IPAs and stuff, do you, not like them or not like making them or is it just the fact that you sort of come at them from a bit of a, a different angle? <laughs> it's an actually – well, what's made you ask that question? I'm actually quite intrigued to well, ask why you've asked me that. What's what's made you think uh, of that or is that a generic no, question? No, 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 not at all. Like I, I re- obviously I've, I've very deeply researched you before we jump onto this call and I just – I noticed I sort of picked up on all this stuff around malt being mentioned in some of the interviews and that sort of thing that I, I read on you. And so I was just wondering whether, you know, if, if malt's one end of the scale that you see on a can and you got the hops at the other, you know, 
was it that you don't like to have the hop taking the lead and being bitter or really aromatic or, or whatever the, the case may be there and you want to really have the malt shine through or do you maybe come at the the IPA from a different angle and maybe, I don't know, maybe make more of a, an English-style IPA perhaps which is maybe slightly maltier than perhaps, you know, your West Coast has got resin and all that sort of thing? Um. Yeah, sorry, man. I just, uh, I just thought that was an interesting question to ask, and why, why you no. went down that road. But yes, I am, and I, and I certainly, you know, there'll be a lot of um, either print or, or audible material out there saying that uh, that going back to the copycat days that I didn't want to make that beer, and I, and I didn't, um, and I'm no different here at Helios. You know, I don't. I don't want to be a. I don't want to be a follower. I don't want to be a sheep in the industry. I don't want to go. Well, great, everyone's doing that. I better do that as well. Um, yes, we certainly have to do that because yes, Scott's got a lot of money invested in the business, and we need to make a dollar too. So, um, but you know, we we led in with an English style IPA at um, at at Mash. Um, but you know, it got lost. Got lost in the market. You know, people didn't understand it. You know, a lot of the keyboard warriors. This is this is <laughs> this, this is my keyboard warrior voice. But uh, this isn't an IPA. You know, this is bullshit. You know, where's where's the grapefruit? Where's the stone fruit? You know, it's not bitter enough. It's too much toffee. And it's like, well, you know, I've I've, I've made a pretty good interpretation of beer here that I've had a lot of feedback firsthand from expats and travelling English people. That is a very very good representation of an English IPA. Um, and and just remember that you're talking about a beer style here that's been around since the mid 1700s, as opposed to a beer style that's been around since the 1980s. So, so you know you've already lost touch as a consumer with a beer that's steeped in brewing history, and was the precursor to our modern IPA. But you've already lost touch with it, um, and it really gives me the shits. I've, I've, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your on your podcast, but yeah. it really annoys me. And um, and that led us obviously into making copycat. You know we. We, we had to make one, um, and I had to make a hazy before I left there as well, and um, and not too dissimilar to, to Copycat, you know, that um, did very, very well for itself very early on. But um, no, I, don't, I, just, I just don't like, uh, you know, one of our new sales guys, you know, Adzi, obviously, you know, um, Andrew uh, from Ulster Distributions came on as well and wanted to know what we stood for as a brand, you know, and we, we staunchly walk our own path yes we we follow trends we like i say we have to we have to make a dollar but um i want to make what i want to make and you know again we yes we have to sell beer but i I like to balance you know when you go back to beers like sarcasm a double ipa that i had at mash and um which was taking the piss on session beers back then we were very cheeky with our naming them but you know cyclops is not worlds apart from from copycat zeus you know which is a scott beer is not worlds apart from from sarcasm you know so me and scott have very similar design points um the goddess red rye ipa here is is not sorry it's not an IPA, but it's not too dissimilar from the ambers I made at Mash. So yeah, we yeah, it's just 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 where we go, and and people now come to us for that. They know um, what they're going to get from us. Um, you know, they're not they know they're not going to you know the 90 percent of the industry might go um, down path X with an IPA or a hazy, but we'll we'll go down you know not path Y, but we'll go down probably path Z as well and put our own spin on that if that. And hopefully we can win the public over um, with it. 
you know, I back my skills day in, day out to, to do that. So, um, yeah, if that yeah, no, answers your question. It's, it's interesting. I just picked up on something you said there around, you know, your beers being close to, you know, new and old ones that you've made in the past because I actually had a question written down here to ask you about that, you know, brewers that move from brewery to brewery, do they take, you know, their favourite recipes from one to the other and then maybe make something that's, you know, very alike or slightly close to or maybe a tribute to it because I've, I've heard that, you know, on the quiet around the traps that maybe that does happen and uh, maybe you've just let the cat out of the bag there, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, can you just cut whatever that was out? Um, no, I'm only, only joking. Cut, cut. Um, now, look, it's something um, I thought about when I came here. It's like, well, obviously, when I went to Gage to Mash, you know, um, I could basically do what I want. But um, I had a core range, obviously, I needed to to look after. But um, here I thought, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to approach this? And um and I've sort of still gone down, trodden my own path. You know, there's certainly a few beers that we've made that I'll morph in or um, try and steer in different directions. And, and and I alluded to it earlier in the chat where I'll try and I've tried to clean up malt a little bit, tried to go a bit more um, malt easy, um, move from sort of um, dark Munichs, Cara Hells, Cara Reds, sort of back into light Munichs, Viennas, um, and support hop from that sort of direction. But um, I guess you, you, you can't really. I mean, there's a number of different ways. You know, I could reinvent copycat in, in a million different ways. Um, but I've, I've tried to stay away from that, you know, and, and again, back my skills to go, all right, cool, well, I've made that and it's got a lot of accolades um, nationwide. But, um, you know, well, I want to make another one now. So, you know, it's taken us a while to go out here with a core range. IPA now we've obviously got Cyclops, but it's certainly modelled in a similar fashion. Um, but again, that's that's what I do. That's who I am. I don't think just because I want to make another IPA, I've got to reinvent the sink there and um, yeah, reinvent the wheel. Sorry, um, but yeah, does, does that make sense? I, I loved it earlier on. You talked yourself about being crusty and old, and <laughs> yeah. I wondered when I was having a look at your your list of beers that you had that you know you, a while back you made um, a double, and you called that your classic series. Are you a bit of a stubborn old traditionalist at heart in terms of your brewing? And was this maybe your way of tipping your cap to the old world, perhaps? Absolutely, both myself and Scott. I think Matt um, termed us both as um, stale old white guys. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, certainly, um, yeah, crush. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I won't disagree with him. But, yeah, we, we, we want to pay tribute. We want to pay homage to those, um, you know, to those old school brews. You know, I've, I've said it a lot and, you know, the guys at Black Hops, you know, Govs and, and Dan and Eddie and that, you know, are all lovely blokes, but they, you know, they, they love taking the piss out of me and, and rubbing my back and offering me a tissue and I and I keep, you know, to dab my eyes with and say, you know, well we're gonna we're killing these beers, man. We're gonna we're gonna kill um you know, Dunkelweitz and Hefeweitz and we're going to kill Belgian doubles. You know, this industry, this this era that we're in at the moment is killing these beers off at a rapid rate because they're not, they're simply not fashionable. And um, so, you know, we came about and I was like, well, and it'll come as no surprise that um, that the Belgian double has been a hard sell. You know, it's, it's not moving. Yep. It's, you know, it's a great beer. The, the people that love traditional beers are loving it, but, you know, we're not moving it and, um, and that, that shit guts me. Um, you know, it really yeah. guts me that, you know, that you can sell out a, a double, triple pancake, lactose heavy, <laughs> um, you know, birthday cake, um, you know, whatever else you want to throw at an IPA and it will sell out in minutes. But, you know, and it's, and it's a style that's probably 
hopefully never going to have any substance in the industry. But, um, you know, you're talking about a, you know, a Belgian double here that's steeped in history for centuries here and, and now we're going to turn a blind eye to it, and, you know, and its depth of complexities and um, what it can offer as a beer because it's, because it's not cool and it's not a pancake IPA. Um, you know, that's, that's really – Gives me the shits, um, but you know, again, we'll 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 um, we'll look at how we do with that to you moving forward. You know, whether we can or keg smaller numbers, but um, you know, so they don't sit around as long. But we'll, we'll again, we'll we'll staunchly tread our path, and we've we've absolutely got a number of beers that we'll launch under that label um, for sure. Yeah, nice. I look I look forward to your uh, your Czech Pilsner or something like that under that label. I reckon you do a pretty good one at that, eh? Yeah, I'm not a great lager brewer, but yeah, we'll certainly have a crack at it. Um, yeah, we've certainly got. I won't give away too much on on um, on air, but yeah, we've certainly got a few beers that we want to look at um, for the next couple of, of classic styles releases. And the can's amazing as well. You know, Rob Rob Munster and his wife Hannah have alluded to before. Of you know, he he said to me when he designed the label, it's like, man, this is, looks like a can that both of our dads would have drank from, and <laughs> and, yep. and it does. They've nailed the brief, and you know, hopefully we'll draw on some of that market and go, oh shit, man. This what a what a great looking label. I'm gonna buy this because of that and then hopefully be blown away and be taken to a place 10, 20, 30 years ago where they might have seen something like that on, on a um, a shelf somewhere. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. So it's almost fifteen years or so you've been in the pro game as a brewer. Uh, you talked about that you like paint it forward. What what's the, the biggest piece of advice or the best piece of advice you offer to new brewers on the scene? Yeah, listen, um, you know, learn learn your craft. Um Remember, new might always might not have a lot of longevity. Look at look at brute IPAs. You know, by the time I worked out that brute IPAs were a thing, um, and then I actually found a hole in my lineup to make a brute IPA. Oh, it was on. dead. Yeah. It only lasted six Didn't months. Like well, I don't know how. It's I've heard a lot of people reckon there were just a lot of poor interpretations of a brute IPA. You know, you look at a, a Queensland climate and even you know New South Wales and up. You know, it should be perfect. Saison's another one. You know, it should be perfectly suited to our climate. It should be absolutely crushable um but what why why are we drinking these lactose heavy beers that are lacking balance and and that are palate full and 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 sweet but um Anyway, I've gone off a tangent now. I can't remember what the original question was. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Um, I've got on my pedestal again. <laughs> no, that's okay. Are, are you still in love with making beer? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, design is design is what um, what I'm good at. I'm not I'm not good at a lot of things in life, but um, you know, I think I found my calling in design and. Um, yeah, absolutely, you know, and, and, and again, Scott, so I can't speak highly enough for Scott for giving me a platform to come to work and and do what I can with not a lot of pressure and, and time to delve into, to, you know, fine-tuning my craft. And to be honest, I think on the whole I'm, I'm making better beers here and, you know, with a bit of age and time and then, then, I, then I was probably at WA. I'm not getting the accolades, which is stressing me out a little bit, but, again, <laughs> I'm working out why that is and, and working hard to try and remedy that, but... Um, it's hard when you're when you're a high achiever and then you start um, you, you flatline a bit for a few years, I guess. But um, you know, I don't want to be a, a Millie Vanilli or a, a someone that gets known for what I did in 2014, 2015 for lip syncing <laughs> a shit song. But um, whoever what they did, but um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I love I love my job. I've got great pride and passion in 
everything that comes out of here and what's got our label on it. And, um, you know, when people, you know, when I hear people saying that they they cut their teeth and, and copycat was their entry into to craft beer, you know, yeah, I've, I've you've got an enormous pride in in my job and love for what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Look, if, if you've taken a step backward step from the llama, I reckon you could jump forward again with, uh, you know, a career in television because one thing we haven't spoken about here is the fact that you seem to love getting your head on the camera for the Helios uh, brewing videos and stuff. Yeah, mate, I, you've, you've seen my head by now. I'm not I'm not too sure. It's, um, yeah, it's not terribly well suited for TV, but um, it's well overdue for a haircut at the moment, general <laughs> general um, bit of a manscape. But, um, yeah, look, yeah, they, they use me shamelessly here on our social media. Look, and I, don't, I don't mind it. It's, um, you know, I've obviously got my own brand that's important and, um, you know, that I want to up here on the, on the East Coast that's, um, you know, nowhere near what it was on the West. But, um, yeah, look, I, I'm, I, I love having these open conversations and, you know, I really enjoyed having the, these well, yeah, these chats with yourself or whether they go um, on a visual format or, or audio, um, you know, I'll talk to yeah, give me give me subject matter of, of bikes or, or beer, and I'll and I'll talk and I'll talk and talk. Um, yeah, mate, I, I like it. It's it's fresh. It's authentic. It's informative. I mean, I, I think you guys should should do more of it because I reckon the beer nerds absolutely eat that stuff up. I talk in layman's terms as well, Chris. I don't know whether that's something that people like or not like. And, and again, Adzi has looked at a lot of podcasts that that have gone after me, and and apparently a lot of people have. Um, yeah, called me out and 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 congratulated um, that that verbal on on what I've said. You know, I don't sugarcoat a lot of things. You know, I've, I've got to be obviously careful that that I don't upset anyone and and um, shed poor light on the inside. I don't. I won't. Um, I won't. Um, sugarcoat a little. I hate the way the industry is going with the passion. I reckon it's fucking ridiculous. Pardon me for swearing, but you might want to blow that. Yeah, you beat that one out. But um, but yeah, it's. Um, yeah, I, I, I speak in layman's terms. It's um, I like what I like and encourage what I like, and, and I'll speak openly about what I don't like. Whether it's got merits or not, who knows? But in, in my head, it has, and, and I'm happy to voice that. No, mate, that's great. You, you wear your heart on your sleeve, and, and I certainly love hearing it from you as well. I've, I've probably held you up long enough for today, um, but I can't let you go with asking you, like, you know, what Helios. It took 48 minutes for me to drop the F-bomb, so. <laughs> that's all right, mate. I, I'm happy to have the F-bomb on here. It's all good with me, but, uh, <laughs> I, I can't let you go without asking what Helios might have planned for uh, for post-COVID life in the next 12 months. Uh, mate, it's for, for us, it's always been venue first. Um, you know, we're not an industry or, sorry, we're not a, a brand that wants to be in every dance and, and lick a land across the country. You know, we know that, that um, shelf life's hard to protect and, you know, our, our product it means a lot to us. But uh, not that anyone else's doesn't. But, um, yeah, onwards and upwards to the venue. We want big things out of here. And um, just to, to, to keep on building on, on brand awareness and, you know, to keep, building on that, um, you know, that when people see the, the Helios Sun uh, or the Sun God or some of our artwork, they're going to get a no, a no nonsense, no bullshit um, representation of what it says on the label. So, yeah, just to keep keep treading our path, yes, we'll dabble our toes in, in um, semi-modern um, styles if we believe they've got merits as a style and, and from their raw materials. But, um, yeah, onwards, onwards and upwards for the – yeah, we really want the, the venue pumping um, as, a, as a very busy local 
corner bar and, and yeah, to slowly eke out our, our way out into the wholesale market and, you know, from northern New South Wales to the sunny coast and, and obviously dribble a bit back to to friends, um, dear friends back in WA so they can get a look at it. Great stuff, mate. Look, I appreciate your time today and uh, and diving into a bit of subject matter that you might not have uh, planned to dive into. It's, I love your honesty and I think it's really valuable that we talk about, you know, some of the things in the industry that maybe aren't all, uh, you know, what they call it, unicorns and rainbows or whatever they say. Uh, it's it's refreshing to hear those, um, those thoughts from you. So, mate, thanks very much for your time today and uh, cheers to great beers. No worries, Chris. Thanks very much for your time. Lovely, uh, lovely to chat to you and, yeah, very appreciate um, you taking your time to have a chat and... Yeah, listen to me waffle on for a bit. (laughs) All good, mate. (laughs) Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have an interesting beer story and want to be a guest on the Beer Healer interviews, send me a message via my Facebook page. And once again, if you want to help out the show, a simple rate and review on Apple Podcasts or a follow, like or share on any other podcast service will do the trick. I'll catch you soon.